Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we are once again joined by Tony Alexander, an independent economist, and we're going to be talking about, is there a housing shortage in New Zealand? Now, you read about it in the papers, you read about it online, uh, and and there is a lot of discussion and deviation as to how big a housing shortage uh, different people think we have, and whether there's one at all. Tony, what's your view on this? Okay, as an economist, I have to say there is no shortage in technical economic speak because the equilibrium price has changed. Demand has increased more than supply. If the price had not gone up, well, you don't have a properly functioning market, that would mean, and then there would be outright rationing. The price adjusts so the rationing is done by the price, by the affordability, etc. But that's a market on average. That's completely different from, say, looking at the um, properties in different price ranges that are coming forward. And What I found uh, about two weeks ago, I was having a look into this issue and I found an excellent piece of research uh, put together by uh, Kay Savile-Smith. She works for an organisation, CRESA, C-R-E-S-A, yeah, C-R-E-S-A, I believe. And uh, she looked at the proportion of houses being newly built in New Zealand each year, which are priced at the lowest 25% of the house price range. And this used to be around about 25% of houses newly built in New Zealand are in the low price range, entry level. Well, since 1995, that's been falling away, and it's sitting for a number of years now at around about 5%. So when you and I might look at numbers on, oh, the number of houses being built in New Zealand, the consensus seems you know, comparable with early years, adjusting for infl- uh, population, but there's a complete difference on the mix of houses being built. And there is a relative shortage now compared with earlier decades of low-priced houses being built. Each year, about 1.5% addition to the housing stock happens for construction. So over time, this builds up into a shortage, not necessarily of houses overall, but of low-priced houses. And what do you put that down to? Sorry, Andrew, this, ha- this has happened every every episode with Tony, I think, because we're so keen to ask something. But what I'm really interested in, in, in asking is, do you put that down to the, the price of land, or do you put it down to the cost of building, or developers focusing on higher-priced homes because they have better margins? What do, you, what do you put it down to? Yeah, I've yet to go through her full list of reasons there, but certainly part of it comes down to uh, the availability of land is not what it was previously, so the section price is a heck of a lot higher. The incentive for developers uh, is to build, you know, four-bedroom semi-expensive houses rather than a low-priced sort of two-bedroom accommodation on that piece of of land. They get a far better return doing that than uh, the bigger building the bigger house than building the smaller house. But also, as she was pointing out, um, in earlier decades there was a lot of assistance from the government in one form or another um, for the construction of those sorts of houses for the young buyers to be making that sort of purchasing um, as well. So there's a whole range of factors but you know we've got a freely operating market when it comes to the housing in New Zealand now and the fact is for the developers the best returns are on making larger more expensive houses on any given size of land be it you know uh, a 1200 square metre section or three or 400 better return for bigger houses than for smaller ones. Uh, so I, I was just wondering whether or not some of that might also be down to the people who are buying these um, lower value properties so you think about the first home buyer now the expectation is a lot higher in terms of what the they want in their first house. So I know that millennials that we work with that are buying their first home, they they want everything their parent has now. Yeah, I think there will be some element of truth uh, in that, but you've got to be careful when you tell people maybe what they need to take on and get 
to get in the, on the housing ladder. So I think yes. it was back in about 2016 when I was working for a corporate and I wrote in my then weekly publication, hey, you're a young person, you want to get on the ladder? Yeah. Well, maybe you should consume as many cappuccinos as your parents did <laughs> in earlier years and sign up to many as many TV subscription services as they did. The, the point I wanted to make then was that there wasn't much to spend your money on yes. in earlier days. Yes. A trip to the pub, the restaurant, uh, poke, uh, well, it weren't even pokies or horse races. <laughs> a, there was more cash um, available, but I, I also wrote, maybe just buy an old dunger and do it up yeah. or even a meth house and, uh, <laughs> and, and refurbish that um, or, or whatever. It'd not go down too well when I <laughs> How when many I complaints that. did you get there, Tony? Uh, some complaints, but massively overwhelmed by the positive response that subsequently came through. And of course, anybody who took that advice back at the time and bought a, a meth yeah. house made a lot of money because Absolutely. about six months later, the government's chief science officer said, this meth testing regime is absolute rubbish and places you think are contaminated, they're not really. So that might have fed through to maybe a $100,000 improvement in those prices because apparently that was the discount in Auckland back oh, at the that's time. that's great. <laughs> should have listened to Tony back then. <laughs> well, the, the, the crux of it then is you should listen to Tony now. Exactly. So um, talk to us as well. So uh, when we're talking about, uh, when we're looking at the media, there are, there are numbers that are put out there about, say, we're 100,000 uh, houses short. Uh, but you're saying that it's only within, we should only consider the, the shortage in the lower house price bracket. Do you have some idea or numbers around what what the, the deficit is there in terms of the number of houses we need? Yeah, that's a very good question. I haven't asked myself so far, so therefore I don't have, a, have an answer. But, um, but yeah, I could have a look at uh, how many lower priced houses need to be built well the number's probably exceedingly large and uh, it's not going to happen because you know the government's Kiwi build scheme failed but I'm very pleased to see the government is ramping up quite a lot in the state house uh, uh, construction because uh, there is a problem there for people at the lower end of the socio-economic spectrum yes. and that problem is about to get a lot worse um, in particular if the government uh, continues with its plan to remove no cause tenancy terminations yes. um, in 90 days because the feedback from a survey I sent out to my 2,000 um, subscribers to my Tony's View publication uh, last week, um, people could reply on whatever industry they're in telling me about it and those uh, residential property investors were saying, well, uh, if this rule change comes in, I will no longer be as willing to let my property to people at that end of the spectrum. I'll be trying to favour, you know, their definition of worthy people. But yes. the worst was the number that said, well, before the legislation comes in, I'm going to take advantage of the current rules and get rid of these poor beggars um, of that status at the moment and try to get in the better people. So hopefully the government sort of picked up on that survey and a few others and will maybe backtrack on that legislation yes, that they're looking at. that's the hard thing. They're, they're there's always a law of unintended consequence. They're trying to help these people out, and and by doing that, they're tightening up the rules. Um, you know, we've brought in we've brought in ring fencing to make it fairer to the to the homeowner, and all of a sudden, uh, property investors have to put up their rent and to kind of combat that extra cost that they're putting in. And so, of course, it ends up hurting the person that they actually intended to help out. Yes, I mean, people have to acknowledge that um, there is widespread support, uh, and and amongst the property owners, the the, the the investors there for the likes of the healthy homes. You know. Yes. compliance, etc. They want to have good quality properties that they're offering for their tenants. People have to realise that if you are increasing the average quality of your rental stock in New Zealand, it's going to be priced out of reach of That's those right. people who can't afford a good, healthy 
uh, rental accommodation, That's essentially. Right. So there's going to be more and more pressure on the government to be increasing state house construction, to be uh, maybe boosting accommodation supplement, um, etc. And so if you were to say to me, is there a, not, not in terms of a shortage, but is there a housing crisis in New Zealand? I don't think there is when it comes to the average price property. These are simply long-term structural demographic economic changes. The crisis exists for people who are seeking the lower price to buy or rental accommodation. Uh, there's a crisis there, and unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse. And of course, especially with the coronavirus uh, economic impact on the economy, a lot of the people who are going to be um, maybe laid off, lose hours of work, are likely to be on the lower incomes. And I'd hope that the government is going to be focusing their sort of policy attention down that end of the spectrum rather than market overall. And do you have an opinion as to areas that may be the worst affected? So, I mean, I read in the newspaper today about a a family in Hamilton who are living in an Airbnb at $640 a week. Um, We only have to read every second week. There's an article about Wellington rent prices. And again, that's probably, you know, some of that lower end stuff. They're really, there's an immense amount of pressure. And so these changes, I mean, places like Wellington and Hamilton can't really afford them. Yeah, I think the pressure is going to be felt uh, everywhere in terms of right now and if the economy are being normal this year, the pressure sort of sort of um, um, everywhere because we've got to remember a lot of investors have gone out to the regions when Auckland got quite expensive. Uh, they were encouraged to by the 40% minimum deposit with the LVRs imposed uh, uh, from the middle, late 2016. And so the regional property prices have gone up and they've put up their rents out there yes. um, as well. So the pain, I think, is, is pretty much spread throughout um, the entire country. In terms of what we're looking at for this year now, with a potential for a shock-driven um, recession. This this downturn in our economy we're looking at, it'll be a temporary thing because of supply interruption in manufacturing yes. and in construction. But in tourism, initially people thought, oh, it's just the Chinese market. No, the world is going to refrain for possibly the next year in travelling, especially long-distance holidays, confined in an aeroplane, confined on a cruise ship. They're going to be worried about their incomes because of weakness in economies overseas and just worried about catching the virus, being locked up, two-week you know, self-isolation, etc. And it's in the tourism regions in New Zealand where this is going to hit in relatively strongly. And a thing to note is that I've got data going back to about 1961 showing the growth in the tourism sector in New Zealand. On one occasion, SARS, 2003, we saw about a 5% fall in the number of people, foreigners visiting New Zealand. I think we're going to blast through that, unfortunately, for this downturn. Maybe it's a 10 to 15% decline. I don't know. There's no model I can look mm. at which is going mm. to give me an indication. But a lot of the regions in New Zealand, their economies have been uh, radically boosted since 2014 with the 40 percent increase in visitor numbers coming through um, and now they're going to have a, a pretty bad reality check come through there and those investors who have maybe got themselves into the likes of Rotorua and some of those other locations they just need to recognise that there's economic toughness coming along for people there and small business owners accentuated by drought in some other regions um, by downturn in forestry and I like to think maybe they'll be accommodative when it comes to the rentals that yes. they'll be setting there over the coming one or two years. Well, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.